You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Awesome, awesome. My name's Billy. If you don't know me, I'm uh, the pastor over at our Connection uh, Vidalia campus. And so, uh, man, I'm pumped to be with you guys this morning. Excited to be here. Um, I know I don't know a lot of you guys, but I wish I could know you. But I see some faces that I do know um, and just really excited to, to, to be with you guys and serve you guys this morning. So why don't we start off with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for today. God, we do just thank you for uh, your grace and your mercy um, in each of our individual lives, God. Lord, we thank you that um, you use broken people uh, to do incredible things. And uh, Lord, I pray today as we dive into your word, God, as we look at your word to us, God, that it would cut us and it would pierce us right to the heart. God, it would speak to people like me all around this room, God, that are broken and have our issues and um, maybe are struggling, God, that maybe not may not be in the best times of our lives, God, but you speak to us, God. So I just pray right now, Lord, there's so many different types of people in this room from so many different backgrounds and different things going on, God, but your word accomplishes the purpose for which you send it out, Lord. So I just pray we'd meet with God this morning. Lord, you'd come, you'd send the power of your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. And uh, Lord, most of all, that we would leave different than when we got here. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, man, I am excited to be here with you uh, this morning and uh, for a number of reasons. Um, But man, I was just encouraged as I was thinking about Uh, you know, God's plans for our church are really, really big. I don't know uh, how long you've been here, if this is your first time, but um, what God has done through this church um, in the past seven years has been absolutely incredible. And you guys are are testimonies of that by being here today. Um, And, you know, one of the awesome things is I was here for about four years before I went over to Vidalia. um, And one of the things that's been the most encouraging about uh, going and planting uh, the same campus, the same heart, the same church in a different location is you get to see hope brought to a community. Um, and I don't know how many of you guys know this, but when we go plant in another community, um, we're, we're changing communities. I mean, it is absolutely, I, I've never seen something so incredible um, as going into a community where, where people don't have churches like this. You know, it's uh, most of the churches are, um, I don't want to be critical, but are dead. I mean, they, they just, um, you know, there, there's not a lot of people uh, that you look at and say, man, that's awesome. Or there's not a lot of energy or, or there's not a lot of discipleship. There, there's none of that stuff. And so, um, man, it, it's so incredible uh, to, to go into a community and to hear what God's doing in Millen and hear what God's doing in Vidalia and, and hear what God's doing over here. I don't want you to take that for granted. I think it's easy to get implanted in our culture over here and think, man, this is awesome. This is this huge church, um, you know, but man, God is working all around us. And um, the, the message that I want to bring to you guys today um, is about that in a lot of ways. Um, we, we've been in this series called behind enemy lines, right? And so what we've been doing is looking at the book of 1 Thessalonians, uh, which is an incredible book, one of my favorites. It's, it's, uh, Paul is writing to this church in Thessalonica, um, and, and the church is doing absolutely incredible. It's uh, only been established for about a year when Paul's writing to them, and uh, what God has used this church to do is awesome. I mean, that, that, he says several times that their message, the gospel has rang out over a hundred square miles from where they're at. He says it's spread everywhere. 
um, that people were hearing about what God was doing, uh, not only in their region, but regions beyond. Um, and, and so what we've been doing in this series, Behind Enemy Lines, is really uh, looking at a flourishing church, but then kind of coming from the backside of it and saying, um, okay, well, what does Satan do to try to hinder a flourishing church? What lies does he try to convince the people uh, in the church to believe so that they will not flourish in their relationship with God? What lies does he try to convince the church of so that the church will not flourish and advance the kingdom of God? And so over the past two weeks, we've looked at a couple. The first week, remember, we looked at complacency, if you've been here. Um, and, and so what we talked about is that, you know, Satan brings the lie of complacency and tries to convince us that being complacent and idle in our relationship with God is okay. Um, and it's not. And then week two, we talked a little bit about multiplication, right? And how multiplication is, is not an option, right? Uh, in the Bible, you look and see uh, multiplication is the command for us to go and make disciples. And it's very much not an option. So today, what I want us to look at um, is this live. You want to write it down. Uh, that trusting leadership isn't necessary. Uh, trusting leadership isn't necessary. Let me start like this. How many of you guys played sports in here? Any sports fans, sports people know what I'm talking about? Okay, any kind of sport. Maybe you've even in different locations heard this, but um, I, one of the things in my sports career that I'm not very proud of is I got to ride the bench a lot, right? We, uh, I got the privilege of being on a couple good teams and we won a couple state championships when I was younger, so I didn't get to play a lot as a freshman. But there's one thing I remember that our coach used to do. He would uh, always, you know, if we were about to lose a game or we were struggling or something, he would, you know how coaches do, they look back at the bench and they say, we just need a leader. Coach, we ain't got any leaders. We need a leader, right? And he's looking at me and I'm on the bench. I'm like, coach, what am I supposed to do? Like, why are you telling me that we need a leader? Don't you need to be telling the guys that are playing? But did, did you ever have a coach that said that? I mean, after the game, anytime, uh, you know, you didn't do well or anything like that, so, you know, it, it, the talk always for us was coach. We need a leader. And I've never understood why they address each other in front of us. Like, talk to the leaders. Like, we need a leader in the church. And so, well, that has everything to do with what I want to talk to you guys about um, today is um, I believe with all my heart the number one obstacle, specifically uh, at our Statesboro campus and, and the other campuses as well, um, for our church to continue to advance and continue to flourish the way it is, is people not stepping up to be leaders. Um, and so what I want to talk to you about this morning um, is the fact that every person sitting in this room today, if you're a believer and this is your church, God has called you to step up and be a leader. Um, and this can look a number of different ways for, for every person in this room. You know, for some of us, uh, that next step is we need to lead a connect group, right? We've, we've, we've been here since the start of the church um, and we're still in a connect group. Maybe we're still in the same connect group and we know the culture of what a connect group's all about. And, and, and we know it. And if you look around, look around, everybody look around. This is cool. Everybody look around. We got some pretty people here. Uh, there's a lot of people here, right? This is a lot of people. Um, well, one thing about our church is that um, just attending on Sunday is not what we're after. We want people to be in community. We want people to be in a place where they can see what a true relationship with God actually is. And one of the problems that we're having is we don't have enough connect groups to fit all of you guys in. And so one of the things about that is if, you, if some of you guys would step up and become connect group leaders, man, you know, God could begin to transform lives in this church. Another thing I was thinking about is uh, connectors, right? So uh, if you walk in the door, uh, you see these, these people standing with blue shirts everywhere. And on the blue shirts, uh, what does it say? Every person has a purpose, right? Every per Say it with me. Every person has a 
purpose, right? So uh, that every person is who? You, right? And me and every other person that's in this room, right? It's, it's, and here's what I want you to see. A lot of people, I remember I was in your shoes so many times, you know, don't let me standing up here talking to you fool you. Like I, I'm, me and you probably have a lot of the same background, right? You, your first thought is, but Billy, you don't know my past. You don't know what I've done, who I've done it with. Man, I'm just getting started with this, man. It's just good for me to just get in church, right? And, and that's where some of us are. But here's the thing I tell you, God specializes in taking broken people like me and you with baggage that have done things that they're not proud of and redeeming them and using them for incredible things. And, and for this church to continue to move forward and continue to plant other campuses and other places and, and continue to reach people in Statesboro, we need you, yeah, you, every person in this room, I'm talking directly to you, we need you to step up and become the leader that God's called you to be. And, and I mean, even with just reaching people, if you look around this room, we don't have a lot more room to fit people in this room. Well, you know, the easy thing to say is, well, let's just start another service, right? But to start another service, what do we need? Connectors, right? And so who are those connectors? Yeah, absolutely. If, 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 if you are here and you are a believer and you love this church and you love the mission of it and you love the changed lives that are coming from it, we need you to step up and be leaders. Another, another thing, man, we have a heart to plant campus, church campuses, man. One of the things that I'm pumped up about, I know if you talked to Jeremy, our Millen pastor, and if you talked to Brandon about, is I'm telling you, I wish I could bring you into the type of impact we're having on the communities that we're going into and planting these campuses. It is changing lives, man. People are, are coming out of the woodworks. I mean, Jeremy calls me the other day and tells me Millen has 200 show up the second meeting. I'm like, crap, we only got 200. I've been there for a year. I better step my game up, right? So no, you see, I mean, I'm telling you, that's got to be everybody in Millen, right? No, I'm just kidding. No, they got plenty more. I'm joking. Um, Anyway, man, we are changing communities. And, and part of the reason, and college students specifically, here's what I want to talk to you about. You're going to graduate college, hopefully in the next uh, four to 12 years, right? Depending on who you are. Um, and when you graduate from college, that's probably going to be the most available time of your life. You're going to be able to move wherever you want to and pursue a job anywhere you want to. Um, when I'm talking about stepping up and being the leader that God's called you to be, I'm talking about stepping and maybe going and saying, man, I'm going to find a job where one of these plants are going so that I can help build the culture and help change communities in different places. But man, it can look different in a hundred different ways. It may be connect group leaders. It may be joining a connect group. It may be connectors. It may be going with a church plant, but it's different for each of us. But here's what I'm telling you. God wants you, if you are a part of this church, to step up and be a leader. And so what I want to talk to you about today is out of the book of 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to be in chapter 2, so if you've got your Bible, you can turn there, and I'll give you a second um, to turn there. We'll start in verse 1. And so here's what I want to talk to you about today. Not only do I, do I want you guys to step up and lead and know the significance and the urgency of you stepping up to lead also, I want, I, want, I want you to know, because one thing I hated so much was when the coach looked at me and said, we need somebody to lead. I'm like, coach, we're beating them 50 to nothing. What more do you want from a lead? You know what I mean? He didn't give me a definition of what he meant by leadership. And so one of the things that I think we can see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 is Paul gives us an incredible picture of what a leader is, right? Um, and, and so I want us to go through, and I, I entitled the message, The Leader That God Wants You To Be. And, and, and I cannot emphasize this enough. 
Every person in this room is leading somebody, right? You may not think that. It may be a family. It may be a friend. It may be a coworker. It may be a connect group. It may be whatever. But somebody, everybody is leading somebody. And you need to know that. And here's the leader that God has called you to be if you are in Christ and, and so I want, I want to read through and I want to kind of give you some points as we go, right? So the first thing I want to read is verse one and two. It says this, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results, right? So Paul, remember, he's, you know, he's, he, he had moved off from Thessalonica. They actually got beat up, kicked out, and then they followed him to the next town, beat him, beat him again, tried to put him in prison and kicked him out, right? So he's in Corinth, right? And so he's writing a letter back to these believers in Thessalonica and he's telling them this, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. Verse two, we had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. The first thing I want you to write down is this. Paul was determined, dependent, and results driven, right? The first thing we, lead, we learn about Paul as a leader is that he is determined and that he is dependent and that he is driven, right? He's results driven. So let me explain myself with that, right? So God wants us to be, when I say determined, here's what you got to understand about Paul. Paul is one of the greatest leaders of all times, right? I don't care Christian, non-Christian, whatever. The, the thing, the, uh, I mean, the, what he accomplished is absolutely incredible. He planted over 20 churches, most people believe, Right? And he traveled from Jerusalem, I mean, all over around the Mediterranean Sea and planted these churches. And man, they were successful. And what he did was absolutely incredible. And he says something in the scripture I want you to catch. I want you to underline. It says, we had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. Right? And so here's the thing you got to know about Paul. This was kind of his uh, life, right? So he, he would go to a place. He would go speak, try to rally up the Christians and start a church. Right? Guess what would happen to him? People didn't like it, right? Because people weren't Christians there. They would beat him and they would try to put him in jail. The next thing he would do is what? He would be kicked out of the city. And once he got kicked out of the city, what would he do? He would go to another place. Guess what he would do? Plan another church. Hey, who's the Christians? Let's get together. Let's do this. We got to spread the work of the gospel. And guess what? Somebody would find him and not like him or think he was stealing their influence. And guess what they do? Beat him, put him in jail, right? And he's like, all right, next place. Then he go to the next place. Guess what he do? Plant a church. Guess what they do? Beat him and do all that stuff. And he would go. And that was his life, right? For, for I mean, pretty much 20, 25, 30 years that he lived, that was what he was doing, right? And so, but here's what I want you to see about Paul. He was determined, right? What was he determined to do? He was determined to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? That was his biggest driving point, right? He knew one of the things you see in the scripture too, is he says, not only had he previously suffered and been treated outrageously, but he also knew where his help came from, right? Because he said, but with the help of our God, uh, our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. And it tells you what he was determined to do. He's determined to spread the gospel. And he knew that the God, the all powerful God that we worship, that was, that created us, that's all powerful. He's in control. He's sovereign. He's, he's, he's in control of all things was on his side. And the thing that kept him going was his determination. How many of you guys know if, if anything that's worth something in life usually is not easy to get? How many of you guys would say, man, I've lived long enough to know that, right? I mean, college students, right? If you want a chemistry degree, it's not as easy as it sounds, right? Or if you want to 
whatever type of degree you're doing, um, you know, it's not as hard as it sounds. Parents, you know that truth, right? Well, here's the thing. We need to be determined. The, th- the first thing to be the leader God's called you to be is we need to be determined to advance the gospel of Christ. We have to be. And let me tell you how that happens. It doesn't happen by you pulling up your bootstraps and saying, man, I can't wait to advance the gospel. Let's go do it. It comes when you surrender your life to Jesus. Because here's the thing that happens. When you surrender your life to Christ, he does something that's absolutely unbelievable. He gives you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is is absolutely what you need to, to, to be determined to continue to pursue God. Because what happens is he puts his desires inside of you, right? When you come and you surrender and lay your life down to Christ, he says, listen, yes, I'm going to save you, but two, I'm saving you for something, right? And what I'm saving you to do is not just from hell, but to advance my kingdom. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, the same person, Jesus, his desires, what he cared about is going to live inside of you. And it's going to give you a determination to advance the gospel. And I'm telling you, that's the first, that's the first idea that we got to get to be the leader that God's called us to be. And one more thing before I move on, uh, don't miss the fact that it talks about um, Paul tracking. The first thing he says is, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results, right? And so a lot of times in leadership in the church, specifically Um, people like to shy away from results, right? They think uh, that numbers don't matter, right? Or salvations don't matter, or baptisms don't matter, a number of people in connect groups don't matter. But here's what I'm telling you. When Paul went into Thessalonica, he knew that it was a place where God had had produced fruit and resulted it, right? And so, man, to, to determine the health of our church, if God's not moving in our church, it's not healthy, right? And so, man, that's the part that we have to get and, and that Paul understood. The next thing I want you to see is from verses three through seven. It says this, for the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. So let me tell you a little before I, I read it because it really makes it make sense. So when Paul was beaten and sent to Berea and they kicked him out of Thessalonica, what had happened is over that past year, people had come behind him, right? And what they were doing is they were twisting his words. They were basically telling, man, Paul don't care about you. Look, if he cared about you, he'd still be here, right? The message he taught wasn't right. And what these people had a hearts of greed and hearts of really just selfishness to try to get these people. It was more about them than it was about them believing the gospel. And so Paul basically right here is defending it. Listen how he defends himself. Listen what he says. For the the appeal we make, verse 3, does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. The second thing I want you to write down to become the leader that God wants you to be is this. Paul's heart was to please God. He was not in it for the wrong reasons, right? He gives us some examples of what those wrong reasons were. He says, uh, me being there, it was not of error, right? So it it wasn't false in any way. He says, I wasn't there to trick you. 
right? So, uh, it, you know, a lot of folks, what happens is they, they try to trick people into following them, right? All they focus on is the, the good side of things, right? Come to Jesus and you'll be wealthy. Come to Jesus and you'll be healthy. Come to Jesus like it's this. Here's all the promises of God. Follow him because of those promises, even though he doesn't promise those for all believers, right? And, and that's not what Paul came to do. He says, man, I wasn't trying to trick somebody into following God, right? I didn't come out of greed. I wasn't there for money, right? I'm not trying to uh, steal something that you have, right? Because what do all these things do? All those things influence why you do what you do. He says, I'm not there to please people, right? Because here, let me tell you, when, when you lead to please people, what happens? You just turn in circles, right? Because what pleases one person doesn't please another, right? Music's too loud, Music's not loud enough. We need to sing hymns. We need to sing contemporary, right? And you start all these different things. When you start trying to lead to please people, it, it just goes in circles. But what does Paul say? He says, man, I had one aim, and that aim was to please God. His number one motivation in life was to please God because his relationship with God was the most important thing. And so some of you guys need to hear this. Some of you men specifically, husbands, you want to lead your family? Make the, number one, make the number one motivation of your heart be to please God. Because I'm telling you, more than, more than your kids, more than your family needs to see anything else or hear anything else or come to another church service, they need to see you wrestling with how to honor God in your life on a daily basis. Number one thing, number, I mean, no question, the most influential thing of all. I mean, just think, the first time I joined a connect group, right, I was where some of you guys are. I was in college, um, you know, Brandon was yelling at me about not being in a connect group, and I was like, dang it, I'm going to give it a shot. Okay, so here we go. I come, and I joined my first connect group. Five guys were in there. I still remember some of my best friends still to this day. And, and here's the thing. When I showed up to that connect group, I had never seen a genuine relationship with God lived out. Never seen what it looked like, right? I, I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew what I wasn't supposed to do. But I'd never seen guys who were serious about pursuing the Lord. And I go to that connect group, man, and I start hanging out with these guys. And for the first time, I was like, man, whatever they have, I don't have and I want to have it. And they began to teach me what it looked like to pursue God and teach me what it looked like to honor God in my thing. You want to have a good marriage? Pursue God, Right? Because God designed you and he designed the marriage, right? You want to know how to parent your kids? Pursue God because God designed you, your marriage, and the kids, right? You want to know how to, you know how to pursue a woman? Pursue God, college students. That's exactly what we're created to do, and that's the best thing that you can do. The question I want to ask you with that point is what drives your life? Right? What drives your life? When you look at the bottom of who you are, when you look at how you make all of your decisions, what's at the bottom? Is it, um, to, to, is it power? Right? Is there some selfish motive at the bottom of who you are? Or does your desire to please God control everything that you do? Because that's what lordship is, man. If we're not there, we cannot be the leaders that God's called us to be. And he needs us to be for that. The third thing I want you to see is from verse seven, the, the end of verse seven through verse 10. Let's read it together. It says this, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Listen, to that. that's my favorite, probably one of my favorite verses in all the scripture. It says, because we loved you so much, 
we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, not only the message of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy and righteous and blameless we were among you who believe. The third thing I want you to write down is this. Paul loved people dearly. He was transparent with people, and he led by example. I had to fit them all in one, or y'all going to be here all day. So first thing, I want you to write it down right now. I'll give you a second. He, was, he loved people dearly, right? You want to be the leader God's called you to be? Love people. Be transparent and lead by example, right? What does he compare himself to? A nursing mother, right? How many moms in here have kids? How many of us know people with kids? All right, so I'm not going to get into the whole idea of nursing, but here's the, um, that'd be funny, wouldn't it? Um, anyway, so nursing, I'm not going to get into that, but here's the thing I learned. When my sister had her first baby, my sister you know, we were about two years apart and we fought a lot. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I'm on stage, right? So uh, she was very selfish and I was selfish too, right? And so um, I'm not gonna say who was more selfish because I'd probably win that battle, but we fought a lot, man. And, and she got married and when she had her first kid, I've never seen a transition in somebody's life quicker than when they have their first child, right? Because when you're nursing a, a baby, Literally, you're on their clock all the time. She was getting up like six times a day, so of course she was more mean to me, but you know, to the baby, waited on hand and foot, right? The most selfless act you've ever seen in your life, man. God created that, and what he says is, Paul's telling the people, he says, that's how I was among you. Just as selfless and sacrificial as a nursing mom is to their baby, all the time and all the energy and all the effort that it takes to, to do that with the kid, that's how I was among you, right? So what am I saying to you? Here's what I'm saying. You want to be the leader God's called you to be? The first step with that is being a servant leader, right? Jesus modeled this better than any person in the world. Remember when he had the disciples in the room and he's the God of the universe come, made flesh, walking among them, and he gets down on his hands and knees and does what? Washes their feet, right? And he serves them, right? And God's called us to be servant leaders. Here's the thing I've learned just being in a pastor role, and I still don't know what I'm doing, but I've learned a couple things. Um, one is that people don't like to follow selfish people, right? If, if you know me, and some of you guys do, if you know that I'm out for myself more than I'm out for anybody else, it's hard to get people to follow you, right? But here's the thing. If people know that you love them and that you care about them, man, they'll, they'll, they'll die for you. They'll do anything in the world for you. And here's what I'm telling you. You want to be the leader? You want your business to flourish, right? Start serving your staff, man. I, I heard this quote, I'll never forget it. How you treat the people that are under you is a direct reflection of where you're at in your relationship with God. How you treat the people that you have authority over, right, by paper is a direct reflection of your integrity and who you are, Right? Because here's what happens is people learn how to do the lingo, right? If somebody's above me, then I'll just brown nose them so I can move up the company. But if I get somebody who's below me, maybe uh, somebody who I know just came on staff and I can just abuse and do whatever they want to do, then I'm just going to abuse them so that I can look better for the staff. And Paul says that's not the way to go about it. He says if we want to be the leader that God's called us to be, he says we need to serve people. We got to be willing to put others' needs before Ourself. The second thing I want to point out to you right there in that passage is the, the idea of transparency and leading by example. 
Here's what I love about Paul more than anything. This is what's challenged me about this scripture all week is I've been reading it and comparing it. And Paul says that he didn't just love them and teach them. He invited them into his life, right? They were a part of his life and he was transparent with them, right? And here's the thing. We're not transparent with people that we don't love, right? That we don't trust, right? How many of you guys have been in the first connect group awkward meeting, right? Where nobody's like, ah, they don't look cool. They look like they're ready to go gossip about me right now. Right? I mean, you guys have been there. Y'all, I mean, y'all are with me. Come on, you can laugh a little bit. Um, you know, you, you've been there where it's, it's awkward and you don't trust people and do that. Well, you know, here's the thing. When people need, and I'll, I'll say this again, people need to see transparency in the life of believers more than anything else, right? Because here's what happens. When you just tell people, man, you need to pursue God and, and you teach a message like I'm teaching today. You need to live holy. You need to do this and you need to do that. And let's say some of you guys saw me outside of church, right? And maybe you were doing life with me and, and, I, and you show up and you're walking around with me and everything I said on stage, I'm not living, right? Everything I said, you need to preach the gospel. I never talk about the gospel. All I do is watch TV, right? Or man, you need to love people and I'm the meanest, rudest person you've ever met in your life. You're never gonna follow me, right? Because I'm, what I'm preaching is not what I'm living, right? Or as Brandon would say it, don't mean to bust him out. What I'm smoking, right? I'm, I'm, what does he say? I'm smoking what I'm selling, right? It's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah. Can a preacher say that? What? Um, no, but that's the idea, man, is, is what we're preaching, you're selling. And here's what I'm telling you. Every person in this room is a leader at some capacity, right? It may be in your job, it may be in your family, it may be somewhere else, but people are watching you, right? And their view of Christ, the only view of Christ that they may get is the view of Christ that you show them. Right? Because Christ, if you're a believer, is in you. And that's why it's so important for us to lead by example. We got to pursue holiness, right? If we're going to teach others how to live for God, we got to be pursuing God on our own, right? That's what I love about Jesus more than anything else in the world. He's a smart, I mean, he is absolutely the smartest person in the world. I mean, he is, he's just so, he's thought everything out. And so when he commanded us to go and make disciples, he knew that as we embraced the mission to go and make disciples, that it was going to hold us accountable to continue to grow. You ever thought about that? Because here's the thing. If you got to go meet and talk and lead somebody by example, by the way you live your life, you better be living it or they're not going to follow you, right? It's incredible to think about that. Next thing is this from verse 11 and 12 says this, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory, right? So he compares himself to a father, right? When he thinks about his relationship with these Thessalonian believers, he says, um, you know, here's what I want you to write down. Number four is he led with the heart and mind of a father, right? The best word to think about it is shepherd, right? And here's the thing about a shepherd, right? If you're going to be the leader that God's called you to be, you got to be able to see the big picture, right? So, so here's what happens specifically in the life of a believer, but you can, you know, translate it to anything you want to. God has a plan for each of our lives, right? He says, my will, and we'll, I think we've actually already, we'll do it in a couple of weeks, but he says, God's will is your sanctification, right? Every believer, that's God's will for their life is that they would grow to be more and more like Jesus, right? And so as a leader, here's what you got to be able to see. You got to see, okay, here's where I'm at right now. And here's where God wants me to be. He wants me to be as much like him as I possibly can. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It just means that that's what you're pursuing, right? 
And so what it means to be a leader is to be able to see that, to see, okay, this is where I'm at, right? And so this is why the church has gotten it all wrong, right? Discipleship is meeting people where they are and walking hand in hand with them to get them where Jesus wants them to be, right? And as you go along that, guess what Jesus is going to do with you? He's going to get you where you need to be. Right? Because what we do is we say, okay, well, man, so-and-so just got saved, but man, I saw him the other night. He was out partying. He was doing all that stuff. We need to kick him out of church. He needs to be out of church. He's ruining our reputation. Right? When Paul would say, no, what he needs to see is a genuine relationship with God. So let's go from here and let me show you how to live for Jesus because be honest, I've done some of the same things you've done. Right? That's servant leadership. That's what it means to, here's some of the words you see him using there. He says, challenge, encourage, comfort. He says, comfort people, shepherding, urging, right? And so Paul challenged people to do that. So not only do we got to have the mind of Christ to see the big picture, we also got to be willing to get, to get our hands dirty and walk with people through things, right? I'm telling you, that will do more for your leadership ability than anything else in the world. The fifth and final one is this. Write it down. Nothing. Uh, let's read the verse first. How about that? So you know where I'm getting it from. 13. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. The fifth thing I want you to write down is this. Nothing brought Paul more joy than people standing firm in their faith. Listen to these verses as you continue to read. I didn't read them, but I'm going to just read uh, chapter two, verse 19 says this. Paul says, for what is our hope? Speaking of him and the guys he brought with him, our joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Chapter three, verse eight, he says this, for now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. There's nothing that motivated Paul more. There's nothing that Paul celebrated. There's nothing that, that brought Paul more joy than to see other people flourish in their relationship with God. And I'm telling you this, some of you guys have been in here for a while and you know it. Maybe you're in a connect group and you, man, you're kind of down in your relationship with God. You're not in a good place. And here's the thing, I, I will tell you, the direct source of that is the fact that you're not investing your life in other people. Because I can tell you the number one thing that keeps me going in my relationship with God is seeing God work in the lives of other people. There's absolutely nothing like it. I mean, there is absolutely nothing like it. I can just tell you about a few guys, uh, just from my first connect group I ever led in Statesboro. I still keep up with the guys, we're, we're close friends. I had one call me the other day and he said, Billy, he's moved off to Atlanta. He's been there for a couple months. He said, Billy, I wanna get baptized. I said, dude, what? You want to get baptized, man? That's awesome. He said, but I want to come back to connection where the Lord started the work in my life to do it. Or another guy called me. He said, Billy, I, th I think the Lord wants me to, I don't know if he's calling me to ministry, but I, I know I have a lot of influence with my baseball friends and I want to come back and, and try to disciple the baseball team and try to teach them the things that the Lord has taught me. I think the Lord's calling me to ministry. And th there's nothing, another guy, this guy, man, I walked with him through some of the, the worst times of his life. He had a struggle with homosexuality and really struggled big time with it and a lot of shame, a lot of guilt and, and chose Christ over it and came out of it and uh, moved off to a different state. He called me the other day, he said, Billy, I think the Lord wants me to go to seminary. 
I think I want to go, I want to go into ministry. I want to help people like me that aren't getting help at any churches. I want to help them. Right? Or, or maybe another guy that was in the same, this is one connect group. I'm telling you, the Lord is absolutely incredible. Another kid calls me and said, Billy, I think the Lord's calling me into ministry. He says, man, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know what's going on. I just know all I want to do is disciple people, right? And I'm like, dude, that may not be a call to ministry. That's what everybody's supposed to be doing, right? But that's, man, I'm telling you, that may be what you're missing in your life. And so, man, that's what God sent me here to challenge you guys with today is that every person in this room, if God's going to continue to do what he's doing in this church, if he's going to continue to make the impact, his plans for our church are huge. I'm telling you, I'm not just saying that. I wish I could grab each one of you guys and come to Vidalia and come to my connect group and you could see some of the people that are coming to the connect group and God's, for the first time, they're experiencing the Holy Spirit. One guy told me the other day, he said, dude, I don't know what happens, but at the end of your sermon, I just feel like something's in me that just wants to come out. I don't know what it is. I said, I know exactly what it is, right? And I took him to the passage in Luke 24 that says, uh, the guys are on the walk to Emmaus. And he says, man, when we were walking with Jesus, there was something in me that was burning. I don't know what it was, but something from the, something from the inside of me was burning and just wanted to come out. And I'm telling you, God is impacting people here, Millen, and in Vidalia. But here's the thing. If he's going to continue to do that, we need people to step up. There's folks in this room that can't get in a connect group right now because some of us won't step up to lead a connect group. There's, there's another service that we need to start at this church to reach more people. Look around. There's people everywhere. But we need people to step up and serve, right? If God's called you to be a part of this church, he's not called you to just sit and listen. He's called you to lead. Man, and, and you can do it. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter who you are. I wish you, you could see that. God uses broken people to do incredible things. Take it from me. Take it from any, anybody you see on this stage. We all have issues. But here's the thing. God wants to use us in a mighty way. And so here's what I'd say. The, the lie that I wanted to talk about today is that trusting leadership isn't necessary. Right? And so here's the thing I know. If, if we'll take Paul's words to heart and we'll step up and, and say, man, I'm not going to sit and be complacent. I'm going to step up and be the leader God's called me to be and be a part of advancing his kingdom. And we do it the way Paul tells us to do it, with humility, with selflessness. People will follow you. That's the secret. That's the secret. If people know that you love them, man, they'll do anything in the world for you. And there's people in your life right now, I'm telling you, each and every person in this room, that God wants to use you with. You just got to step up to the plate. But don't let it be because you're not stepping up that he doesn't use you. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for today. Lord, I thank you for the message that you've put in your word, God. I pray that it wouldn't fall on deaf ears today. God, the potential in this room is absolutely incredible. God, there's a college of 25,000 students. Not a lot of them know you. Not a lot of them know the purpose for which they were created. God, you got workers, you got people all around this room that you want to use. I pray for courage. I pray for boldness to step into that. And maybe for some of us today, the next step you say, man, Billy, you're talking about leadership, but I don't have a relationship with God. 
man, I'm here for the first time. I don't, I don't, I don't know what it looks like. Maybe that's me that needs a relationship with God. And here's what I'd say today, the opportunity's available. And God says he sent his son to die for you so that you can be reconciled to him and find the purpose for which you were created, which is to know God and to be a part of his mission. And you'd say that today. You'd say, Billy, I, I want a relationship with God. Would you just lift your hand up? I'll give you a few seconds. Is anybody in here? You'd say, Billy, I want a relationship with God. Will you lift it up high for me? Is that anybody in here? Awesome. more seconds. Anybody else? We got somebody that wants to pray with you and just give you some, some resources to help you do that. Anybody else? And for the rest of us, here, here's my challenge. Maybe your next step today is to join a connect group. There's never a better time to do that. We have a connect group meet and greet out there for you today. And maybe you're scared. Maybe you say, Billy, I, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Remember what I told you. There's nothing that changed my life more than a connect group. And I know God can do the same with you. So let me pray and we'll we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you again. God, thank you that you speak to people's hearts, Lord. Do not let somebody walk out of this room and not take the next step that you put on their heart. God, I wish I could just show them the plans that you have for the people in this room because we would never choose sin and choose disobedience over you if we understood that. So Father, we love you and thank you for the work you're doing in our church. We pray you continue that. In Christ's name we pray, amen.